Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. And today we're talking with our guest, Paula Harris. She wrote a book, a journal called Rise Up, a widow's journal. And we want to bring her on the show. This is such an important topic and we're glad you're here. Thanks for coming on, Paula. Jeremy, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yes, absolutely. Love talking with you and talking with your husband as well, too. Uh, for listeners of the show, they might say, wait a second, this Harris last name, that sounds familiar. Well, your husband, Bill, was on just about a year ago talking about the widow's guide to keeping more of her assets. So we'll link to that in the show notes. But I think we saved the best for last. Had you come on second and uh, talk here about your about your book. You are one very smart man, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Well, you, you wrote uh, this book. It's a, a journal. And so it's more of a guide, I'd say, versus maybe um, a telling to here's how you should feel kind of situation. But but just tell us about the book and and what uh, what brought it up. I'd be delighted to. So first of all, I, as you said, I do have a husband. Uh, when this book first got released, I, a number of people said to me, I'm so sorry. Did I miss something? Is Bill okay? So this is not a journal. This is not my journal about my own life experiences, mm -hmm. but this is a journal to help be um, a support for, on the, the grieving journey for a widow. And it's it got inspired by actually going to see Jack Canfield a number of years mm -hmm. ago. I went to his Breakthrough to Success program. And I knew for a while that I wanted to do something to support the, the widow environment because that's who we work with a lot in our practice. And I came up with this idea that I love quotes, inspiring quotes, that if I could take a, a group of inspiring quotes, put them into chapters, that it would help uh, a widow along her journey. And that's what I did. And I published it last summer. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's uh, quite a help to the clients you're working with. You work, both of you work together in your financial practice as financial advisors, and you work a lot with the widows. That's how you came up with first the widow's guide to keeping more of her assets. And I, I think just uh, as important, probably more so uh, beyond even the money part is how do you, I, I like what you put down, a place to gather and reflect on your journey. Cause it's certainly a, a journey and there's a lot of ways that you could approach it. And hopefully, thankfully, I think a lot of people are widows for the first time and maybe not the second or third time yeah. uh, on there. And so uh, good for you for observing what's helped others and, and putting it into a package so that people can, can walk through it uh, as well. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for that acknowledgement. Sure. Well, and, and uh, speaking of that, walking through how, how does this work for someone that maybe uh, is is using this book? How would how would they even go about approaching it, and what would they uh, use it for? Sure, every we're all unique individuals, so I suspect that everyone will use this in a unique way. I did lay it out uh, in ten chapters that follow what I would consider and what I've observed as sort of the the journey of a widow. You know, starting off with that suddenly single phase, like oh my gosh, this just happened. How do I navigate it? And then starting mm -hmm. to realize, like wow. Grief, grief just kind of overwashes you from time to time, all the time, when you least expect it. And I think mo a lot of people, until they've had a loss, they, they expect I could put grief in a neat little package, but they start to realize, oh boy, 
this has no time frame. I, I don't know how long it's going to take. And then I sort of worked into the overcoming obstacles. There's the obstacles of, oh my gosh, it's Saturday night. What am I going to do? I, I, li- I live in a coupled world and I'm not coupled anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, one woman recently actually said to me on Twitter, she goes, I go to bed really early, so I don't need to deal with eating alone. And that really just broke my heart. So there's all these obstacles you come up with. You know, one woman shared with me the obstacle of, oh my gosh, I never thought about that I had to drain the sprinkler system until mm-hmm. one day it froze and exploded right. when it unfroze. All these things that just make the, the journey so much harder. And then there's a, a bunch of areas that I think we that everybody goes through. And I've called these ones um, faith with wisdom on love on gratitude. I did a section on money being a financial mm-hmm. advisor. I thought that was really important because a lot of women, this they, they've dealt with money, but they've never dealt with money on their own in a, this type of way. And mm-hmm. then so the last two chapters are the moving forward on my own. I, like you're starting to see that light, you know, I, I'm becoming a whole person again. And then the last chapter is called living again, because I really do want anyone who's had a loss to realize that they are still able to have a full life. You're never going to necessarily, you're never going to forget the loved one, but you will have a full life again if you allow yourself. So that's how the chat, the book flows. Some, some people will go that way. Some people will jump in and out depending on what their mood is that day or the mood for the month and kind of pop around. Yeah, that's exactly it. And a lot of people feel that a book is kind of a linear situation. That's maybe my more why you did a, a journal. I like how right at the beginning, well, even before before the beginning, right at the, the beginning is part of it. It says this journal is dedicated to loving memory of, and of course you put in the name there of whoever maybe had passed on to prompt this this journey that you're going through. And you say, where to start? Step one, look at all the chapters so you get a sense of how the journal flows before you jump in. Step two is start at the beginning or jump in where whatever you're drawn to the most. Like choose the path that works best for you. And I think that's an important thing. We were talking earlier that not everyone's grief journey, widow journey is going to be exactly the same. So good for you for just prompting them to understand that if this is your situation, choose the path that's going to work uh, for you. And again, there's no rules. You can right. use the journal however you want. There's no time frame. Uh, you know, it's not like you need to get this done in a certain amount of time. It's not a 40 day journey or something along those lines. You did share with me earlier that it's maybe more like the first one to three years is the more acute the in-your-face uh, situation of of what a hoed, and you're you're helping those uh, people in those shoes go through that. But again, it's it's your own time frame of how it's going to affect you and and how you can learn and, and deal with the situation. Absolutely, and and it's interesting. There's a, a high-profile woman in our the state that I live in, and her husband just passed away. She's a former governor of our state, and she's been blogging a lot. And I have found her blogs to just be so raw and real. And she tackled the the topic of grief the, grief the other day. And she's like, I'm somebody who wants to like wrap it up, put a bow on it. And that's how I just want to deal with things. And I'm finding like, I can't just do that here. I like things are just keep coming up. And I think that's one of the things when you're a widow, you have to realize you, you have to go with the flow sometimes it's not going to be linear, just like, you know, the book doesn't need to be done linear. The other thing I did with the journal is I didn't put any lines. They're white. The pages are white with inspirational quotes on them. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody just wants to draw pictures that day, they just want to doodle. 
you know, that's how they want to express themselves. You know, I find lines can be constrictive. And if you see, you know, 30 lines on a page, you might feel like you have to fill them all. Mm -hmm. If you want to just write three words on a page, one word on a page, a picture, that may be like the expression. You could actually cut out of a magazine and post and and, uh, tape a picture and you can do it in any way that you want, which I like that freedom for people. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's let's talk a bit about grief because maybe we're not hearing, I'm, I'm assuming and hoping that maybe more people are listening to this who have not experienced uh, the death of a spouse, but they probably have. All of us have, have gone through where a friend or somebody that we know has had some sort of death in their family, perhaps a spouse. How do, how do people like, let's just go with me. How do I approach somebody uh, who has suffered such a, such a big loss? It's a great question, Jeremy. And until you've gotten close to it, you don't really have a good sense. So even though I've I've dealt in this space a long time, and I've known lots of people that have passed, we just had my my brother-in-law passed away last month. So it was the first time that I've really seen death up close as an adult. It's been a long Mm. time since a grandmother has passed away. Uh, And you first realize that people they don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to say or do. And for many people, they just back away. And that's probably the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. is I think remembering to be present. So one of the things I, this is a pet peeve of mine. It, it isn't enough to just say on Facebook, so sorry, you know, someone shares that they've lost a loved one and you see like people will just put little praying hands or they literally mm-hmm. will just write, so sorry for your loss. It doesn't for the person who's lost someone, that's pretty empty. I mean, yes, in our world, it's nice to get some uh, some uh, acknowledgement like that, but that people think that's all they need to do. But really, reaching out with a phone call, a card, stopping by is so much more important. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a big card writer. I think we've received probably ten or twelve cards on the on the passing of my brother-in-law. Other family members have obviously received as well, but that's not yeah. a lot. So when you're thinking about how you support someone, something as simple as a card makes a big, a big difference. And I know for a lot of people, they don't know what to say. One of the most people who've had a loss will tell you one of the hardest things for them to hear is I'm so sorry. And often the person who hears that says, you're sorry. I lost my spouse. How can you be more sorry than I am? So you know, I studied with the woman, Amy Florian of Core Genius, and she's, you know, on a mission to to get us to stop saying, I'm, I'm so sorry, because it really feels very empty and hollow to the person who receives it. So even just saying, I have no words, you know, is, is a better way. Please accept my sympathies. I'm acknowledging that you've lost your spouse. Share a memory about that person. That's a great way. Don't remember to keep saying their name. That's a mm-hmm. really big deal. Actually, this coming weekend um, is the anniversary of a friend uh, of mine who was in his 80s when he passed. And I'm going to go to to the memorial mass with his wife, and then I offer to take her to dinner. Those are the things that matter, because I know her children don't live anywhere nearby, and they won't be around. I don't want her to be alone that day. Yeah. So we're going to go out to eat. Oh, that's a, that's a great way to show your support. And you mentioned even earlier something to me about uh, about flowers, that flowers can actually be a, a burden. To the people that receive them, you, you think, uh, you know, it's nice to have some beauty around in that that time frame and and, and things like that. But uh, you know, all of a sudden, you got all this stuff to deal with. You're newly widowed, and you think, I've got to water these plants. 
Like what, it's what so what's your true. take on that? So, you know, I remember going to um, a friend's house after her husband passed and it was about a year and a half ago and the house was full of flowers. It was so full. She's like, this reminds me of being in the funeral home. Sure. Um, yeah. It was yeah. not necessarily a good feeling. And then even just the flowers we had after my brother-in-law passed, it was like they they start to die and they they don't smell good. You know, it's like it's something else that you have to deal with. It's it's another form of death. So as much as people think that's something helpful to do right away, it's not as helpful. Maybe you could do something um, a little bit later that involves flowers. But initially, that can be a little bit of a stressor for people. So you can think about, you know, something like the journal. It doesn't have to be used at any time. You could just bring them some note cards. You know, often people have to write a lot of cards and thank you for Mm -hmm. people who have sent gifts. The other thing is you have to be careful. You don't overwhelm them with the brigade of uh, food. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody shows up in the first, you know, seven to 10 days with food, but then everybody goes back to their life and they forget that that home cooked meal might be a really nice thing to do a month in two months in. So yeah. kind of spreading out those ideas, you know, dropping cards. I, I've had friends tell me that just even a text that says, I'm thinking of you, a little heart text it makes the person realize they're not alone. So getting creative of ways to keep in touch. Keeping in touch is really the big thing. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like when you reminded me earlier about uh, how flowers can be a burden. My wife yeah. cannot stand flowers, and you know people talk about, oh, it's her birthday or it's Valentine's. You're gonna get get her flowers, and I'm like, no, because that's the last thing she wants, and it's literally because she hates the idea that flowers die, like cut flowers yeah. die, and that's just that's just not. Uh, and she she hasn't gone through any large losses to to trigger those memories, but imagine down the road, you know, that could be a, a big situation that this is just a, not the, the best way to express, you know, a comforting feeling. But yeah. you also mentioned too that, and she tells me this all the time, you know, she's a school counselor. So she's definitely more in tune to different situations where empathy is, is really needed. And she talks about how, I mean, somebody dies or something big happens. It's almost like you're famous for a week or two, like yeah. you're top of everyone's mind. And then you're just exactly the opposite. And all that attention for a week or two kind of helps you maybe get through it. And then all of a sudden you're lonelier than you were even three weeks earlier. So following up like a month, a month after someone passes is is one of the biggest, most important things you can do. My wife tells me because that's a time when you're feeling almost abandoned. Everyone was you're you're famous for a week or two, and then a month later you're abandoned and and you're feeling lonely again. I think that's really great advice that she's obviously very good at her job. Yeah, she is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, one thing we did do actually, uh, instead of sending flowers to the funeral, we, we bought a set of pot of plants. I got a, a plant basket and then mm-hmm. I gave each one of the family members, one of the plants so they could, you know, 
be uh, remind because you know as a family you really do have to have something there um but mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully people people seem to appreciate getting that and we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah. in a couple of months if the plants are still right. alive yeah a good uh a good time to to try your best and and do a bit of a um an experimental study to see how people you know and care about uh how they feel about it we'll find True. out good well, there's a few, I'm going to talk about a couple of the chapters that you have in the book. Again, it's 10 chapters, 10 different things that you're approaching and encouraging people to go through. It doesn't have to be in any particular order, but you mentioned you're taking this uh, friend of yours, you're taking her to the memorial mass for her deceased husband. Tell me about how her faith or maybe just faith in general plays into the the widow journey. Oh, that's, that's a great question. In In this case, her husband and I both went to Providence College and we connected through our local church and we would all go the same mass and I would often sit in front of them when I lectured. So our bond really had a lot to do with our faith. I have found when people have a strong faith life, they are able to handle grief in a much, I'll say easier way. Mm -hmm. Because when you have that trust and knowing that you're going to be taken care of, life is just a little bit more simple. You know that you can lean on God and he will take care of you. So the chapter on faith has a number of, has some scripture quotes, but it also has the theme of hope a lot. And I find when, when people have a strong faith life, there's the hope. There's the, I actually went to a a funeral a couple of weeks ago and the, the woman had been diagnosed 21 years before with multiple myeloma and was told she would only live like a year and she lived 21 years. So at this point she was actually excited to die because she was going to be reunited with all of her loved ones. And she was going to be at her eternal rest. And her faith was so strong that it brought her family you know, joy to know she was going to be okay, which then made them okay with mm-hmm. her passing. And it was the, one of the most beautiful funerals I had been to and the homily and just that that faith and hope and eternal rest just wove through. And I find that when people have that faith life, it makes the journey just that little bit easier because, you know, you have the Lord to lean on. You're not alone. You're never alone at that point. That's absolutely important for sure. And another uh, important piece of the the, the widow, we're gonna, I think we're going to call it the widow journey at this point. I, sure. I'm just going to stick to that for, for right now. But uh, another piece of that is kind of what do you deal with the, the aftermath almost in terms of, am I going to be okay? Like, what is, how does the money uh, look like? And I know you're a financial advisor. I am too. And a lot of the people that are going through the uh, widow journey are, are 55 plus. And it's not quite fully there, especially for that demographic where the the males and the females take a separate or, or, or a similar tactic towards towards money. I definitely see where you got the um, the twenty year olds and thirty year olds and forty year olds where it's more of a, a equal attention to the the money. But I find so many times when I'm talking to, it's becoming better about it. But I'm talking to a couple, and a lot of times it's the the wife just chooses not to be involved in the money. It's, it's not that the husband even takes it over. It's a lot of times that the wife is not involved by her choice. And then all of a sudden, you know, statistically, she's going to be a hundred percent involved uh, with that. How, how do people that are facing that situation go through things? 
Oh my gosh, Jeremy, that's just a, a great point. And, and I'm going to just read a quote quickly from the, the book. That's my favorite one that I, I use with women because I'm right in that demographic of, you know, the average age of widowhood is 59 and that shocks people. So mm-hmm. I'm always trying to motivate women to pay attention so that Barbara Stanley has this great quote, Prince Charming's leave, Prince Charming's die, Prince Charming's aren't always great uh, money managers. Your job is to participate in financial decisions from a place of knowledge, not fear, ignorance, or habit. And I think you're absolutely right. Too many women sort of put the blinders on and think everything's okay. So, what, you know, when or if this day happens, it is kind of shocking. Like, I have to figure out how to manage the household on my own. Some, you know, some recent people that I can think of, they haven't been working. Some may have not worked in many years as they raise their kids. Well, how's what? Where's the money going to come from? That's a, usually a big one. Am I going to be okay? Where am I going to get the money? And hopefully, people have planned well, and that there would be a life insurance policy, but sometimes there isn't. And then, how do you navigate? Okay, what bills do we have? What what do I need to cut out? What do I you know maybe need to add in? And I'm sure you you've used this advice as well. No major financial decisions for a year. Yes. Obviously, yep. Obviously, as we always we call it, if there's something on fire, you need to address it. Like mm-hmm. you, know, you need to get paperwork filed. You need to get the uh, final tax return done. You need to get the estate plan in order. But you don't need to make a decision on selling the house or moving. And usually, those decisions are way too emotional. There, the wo- woman is in what's called grief fog, and often won't even remember things she did or said for anywhere from six months, nine months everybody's a little bit different in that. So it's really trying to get her into a decision-free zone. Let's not tackle this now. Tackle what has to be done, but be be slow and deliberate. And on, from the investment side, typically you don't have to do anything right away. Um, you may have to retitle some assets, but you don't have to buy or sell things. And so kind of keeping things as calm as possible, I think is a big deal. And the other big thing is getting a handle on cash flow. Often w- women often have a good sense of the general cash flow, like what's coming in, going out. Uh, but it's the investments that kind of trip up uh, a lot of women. And I keep trying to explain that it, just keep it basic. Don't don't get overthinking it. You know, it's it, having help on that front can be really valuable. But having um, don't overthink it and make it harder than it needs to be. Right, and becoming a widow or widower. You know, being widowed can happen at literally any moment, at, at any moment at all. And when you're you're younger, I think the best protection is to have the life insurance. I think the best preparation is to be involved in the financial decisions and knowing what's going on there. But both you and I deal with a lot of people that are planning to retire, and it's there's a lot of stick your uh, you know head in the sand kind of attitude. And it's, it's so interesting, especially where the average the average widow's widowed. For like five to eight years, I see somewhere around there all the time. You talk to a lot of people and they're thinking how long the retirement might last. I hear this from a lot of people that's maybe 20 years. Mm-hmm. We can debate that that's probably a little bit light, but let's just go with that. Let's just pretend your retirement's 20 years. If you're widowed for five to eight years of that, that's at least a quarter, a third, might even be a half of your retirement that you're widowed. And when you're planning for retirement, preparing for the widowhood, is such a huge, big piece of it. And I, I like to say a lot of times that 92-year-old women are living off the decisions of their dead husband when he was 62. 
And it's so, such a great line. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's just amazing. And and a lot of those decisions at 62 are perhaps made by the husband and most likely are not being thought of. How do we help that 92-year-old woman? Um, because And that's important. It's likely to happen. What You got to go into retirement planning for, there's two of you went in. At one point, one of you is going to be the only one at left. What are these decisions at 62 often that are going to best prepare and get people ready for uh, that situation. It's, it's a reality and it's a very likelihood uh, where it's a very long amount of time. It's so true. And, you know, and I'll call it the softer side of things you need to think about, but, you know, but they're still, you know, related to hard assets. You know, what, what type of house you're going to live in? I mean, if you're still living in a 4,000 square foot house in your eighties, that's going to be a real burden for the person who still has to maintain it both physically and, and financially. It's going to be a big drain. So, you know, knowing when to make hard decisions of, of downsizing or, you know, making sure that you have all your estate plan in order, where, where do you want your, fi your final wishes? Where do you want to be buried? And th these are really hard discussions to have for couples. Um, but, you know, do you want to have a, a religious service? Do you want to be cremated? Do you want your ashes buried in the ground or scattered somewhere? All these types of decisions are really important and you don't want to leave them to the widow or widower who's in their grief trying to figure this out and trying to honor their deceased loved one. But balancing, I mean, frankly, there's there's a huge financial you know outlay that happens with a, a funeral. Are you prepared for that? Are you emotionally prepared, financially prepared? There's just so many moving pieces that you don't want to figure those things out when you, you have three or four days to do that. Yeah. That was uh, something you told me earlier, earlier. Just imagine one of the best gifts you can give is the gift of preparedness. If there's yes. two of you, you're preparing the other one for this. Except this, It's like a two or three day window that boom, you make huge life changing decisions a lot of times in that, that window. And if you're already prepared ahead of time, there's a lot less, it's tough enough right now to talk about it, but uh, you don't have the emotion of somebody just having passed away in the last 36 hours in there. And whether you're planning that out for your, your, future widow, or you're planning out for even your kids, that gift of preparedness is one of the best things you can do for the people that you you're loving and taking care of. I would agree. It's just uh, so, so important. And especially where I think children aren't aligned as much with their parents, at least from a faith-based perspective, you know, you see less children going to church where the parents did, and they don't know what mom or dad might've wanted. And if mom or dad didn't put it in writing, you know, you could have a, a big uh, uh, snafu, you know, when they would have wanted to be buried in the church and the, the children decide not to do that. You know, mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that you need to prepare for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been uh, talking quite a bit at, about the widow's journey and you, you specifically use the term widow to, to focus on empowering women that are going through this. And it happens more often to the ladies than it does to uh, the husbands. So I'm going to encourage everyone to check out the Rise Up a Widow's Journal. We're going to have the link uh, to that in the show notes. But you you dropped a little bit in from Ami earlier that you're maybe going to write another book. Is that is that true? Yes. I'm getting a lot of encouragement. People who've picked it up and saying, geez, I would really love to send this to my widower friend. Um, mm -hmm. Is this appropriate? Or I have a friend who just lost a child or a sibling. I even had one woman said to me, you know, I could see how this could be helpful for someone who lost a pet because there's so much grief uh, in, in losing a loved one. 
that you, you need a place to put it. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna update it. The, the chapter on money may come out because it may not be as important uh, in some of those other for those other situations. But I'm I'm excited to to get another version of this Rise Up Journal out. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, I pr- appreciate you putting this together. There's a lot of people that are going to be benefited by having a way to process their grief. Uh, we we like the idea of having a process for decision-making in our, in our world, we're helping people make retirement decisions. So we create a process for that. I know you take your clients through a process and thankfully, and hopefully again, you're, you're not widowed more than once in your lifetime. And you've never, you've never planned for this before. You never prepared for it. And just having a guide, having a process for, for this situation is just going to be so helpful to people. So thank, thank you for putting that all together. My pleasure. Thank you for acknowledging it. Great. Well, Paula, thanks for coming on the show. I'm so happy that you could be here sharing your uh, your book with people. I, I imagine a lot of people are going to get a lot of uh, a lot of benefit from going through the guide. I'm grateful, and it was my honor. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you too to our listeners for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money, and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.